0: I can't have you stay here anymore because like I might get evicted, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." Like all we did was sleep, like I swear. And he's like, "No, it's cool." As I'm on the phone with him, I'm not making this up. As I'm on the phone with him, the dude next to us driving, I'm not driving. I'm just like right behind the driver. He's doing this, like the guy on the highway. He's like, "Pull your window down." And my buddy, like our buddy Jesse, like <laughs> opens the window, and he's like, "What's up?" And he's screaming. We're going, like 60 miles an hour. I was like what? And he's like, "Your trailer door is open," and we we're like, "Oh shit." <laughs>
1: Welcome to the eighth, or ninth episode of the Cast That Ends Creation. I'm your host, Chris Deering. This is the show where I interview mathcore bands uh if you beautiful people have in chat have any questions or comments feel free to drop them in and i'll read them aloud uh if you're watching this on youtube or listening to this in your car and have no idea what i'm talking about the cast first goes live on twitch at twitch.tv slash the cast that ends creation uh you might have noticed a new logo and uh lot well, would have been a transition didn't have time but a new logo made by jay dino and uh it's pretty awesome you should give him some of your business Uh, With all that out of the way, let me introduce our guest tonight who's dropping their sophomore album, The Angel of History, Through Good Fight on December 4th. Welcome in, Cryptadira. How are you guys doing? What's up, man? Did I say the name right? Chilling.
0: You did. You nailed it. Yeah, that's actually crazy because nobody does.
1: (laughs) Alrighty. Uh, Tell us who you are, what you do in the band.
0: Uh, I'm Scott. I do guitar and vocals and uh, yeah. I'm Matthew. I play drums
2: and I do some other stuff, but as far as performance goes, I play drums.
1: Alrighty, so uh, Wikipedia says that uh, the cryptid deer are a suborder of testudines, I guess, which include freshwater turtles, snapping turtles, tortoises, soft turtles, and sea turtles. Why'd you name yourself after some turtles?
2: <laughs> okay, so this goes back to we were in high school. Um, we we were originally called no judgment and we just didn't really like that name I, and this is like going back to yeah like years ago we were children yeah <laughs> and so we were just looking for we were looking into a, a whole bunch of like also like like greek deities like but because we have like a solid bit of like sludge and post metal influence like we we like vibed with I don't know, like like ancient and just like large sounding animal names that also like might be kind of oceanic. So we're just like, oh, fuck. okay, like Pelican or Mastodon, shit like that. Um, And then we just came across exactly that that Wikipedia article that you're looking at. (laughs) We came across it, I don't know, like 12 years ago. And we're just like, all right, it has it starts with crypto, so it sounds kind of like a death metal band name, like it's like Cryptopsy
0: or something like okay, that.
2: yeah. Um, but it's giant turtles and turtles are sick.
0: That's the whole story. Yeah,
2: that's really that's <laughs> it, really it, all that went into it. It
0: doesn't get much deeper than that. We it was as simple as if Mastodon can do it, then so can we.
2: <laughs> you know, it's like,
1: hey guys, turtles are sick. This is the name. <laughs>
0: i mean are they not sick it's like i don't think anyone's ever heard that and been like well dude turtles suck like because they're sick so it's kind of just how it is and it's like maybe one of those things you look back on and go should we have done that but then it's way too late like when you have like albums out and you're signed and stuff so that's that's the that's the name now you show me someone
2: that has a problem with turtles and i'll show you the one of the worst people in america
1: (laughs) all righty uh so you guys have been around for some time i believe it's 11 years it's weird
0: because like we've been playing with each other at least mike and matt and myself for literally since we were in middle school since we were like 12 years old in our first band so like cryptid in its current form really hasn't been around that long like but we've been playing together for so long it kind of just feels like these ebbs and flows of like different names and different iterations but ultimately cryptid probably started like in the way that we're used to referring to it as itself in like, well, 13, when you're finishing high school, we like did our first DIY tour right after high school. Um, we were 18 and we did that for like three or four years before we got signed. So like we, we were like more concerned about just touring and putting out records than like, you know, making some crazy perfect bedroom album like we made these terrible sounding demos and tour on those yeah, for a while
2: uh <laughs> yeah uh, the four quarters came out 2012
0: yeah yeah our first like yeah. demo thing came out in 2012 so yeah yeah i guess like eight years officially but okay um, i saw a facebook
1: you know. post you guys put out last year i think that was saying that's been 10 years uh, that's where i was getting the 11 years from but well, eight years yeah because yeah, like
0: yeah that that photo is from like our last band essentially but it was the same dudes pretty much so it was okay. like you know here's us 10 years ago but it wasn't cryptid Euro officially but yeah it's been about eight years for this band
1: that's when it was no judgment the uh weird hardcore band
0: <laughs> yes yes yeah
1: <laughs> that's totally what that name makes me think of a hardcore band uh so yeah it wasn't <laughs> so uh You've been together for a long time. There's still people that aren't quite familiar with you guys. Can you give us just a brief history of the band?
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, I've known Matt here for 21 years now. Uh, we went to first grade together. Yeah, I know. We're still somehow not sick of each other. But um, we met Mike when we were like 10, I think, or something like that. So we've all been friends just for fucking forever. And then Jeremy, our bass player, we met him in high school, too. So like it's... It's a very personal beginning. It's not, It wasn't like we started a band and found members. We found members and started a band. So we've sort of been um, playing together forever. And it just, at this point, it feels weird to play with other people. So um, yeah, the band started like officially at the end of high school, um, at least in this form, and then immediately hit the ground running. Like I said, hit DIY tour circuit, doing like East Coast stuff and then some uh, Midwest stuff and just putting out demos that sounded like dog shit. <laughs> um, because that was what our concern was, was just getting out. And, you know, whereas our contemporaries at the time were like, that's like when shit like periphery started to come out and animals and stuff and everything was starting to sound like ridiculously perfect at all times. And right. we were kind of like the, antith- the antithesis of that and like, no, let's just put out some dirty records and get out there on tour and, and whatever. And Were y'all you uh, recording yourselves and- at
1: that time or were y'all like going to the studios? Yeah. And- yeah. Recording yeah, just a
0: friend of ours. Okay. <laughs> Well, kinda. Oh, we yeah. Buddy who had like a little home studio and it was more or less just like an interface and some gear and yeah, we didn't know our ass from our elbow with recording and still barely do. So, um, yeah, we went to him for our first few demos, and then we did um, the first like real recording we did was in 2014. We went to uh, Tracks East, New Jersey, which is where Calculating Infinity was recorded, and we did uh, a split with a band called East of the Wall from New Jersey, and that was like our first like solid sounding release and we were like okay okay this is this way, we gotta go now
2: yeah that was also the first release on a record label but it was also a record label that we ourselves had started <laughs> okay
0: give yourself yeah it was like a little mini of, yeah we we want to like start a project like that and i in a weird way i still want to revive that um but our own band got so busy immediately after that that our little record label dream died like with that release so one day maybe i will have a label again but for now that's where uh, where it ended um but then after that we got signed to good fight that's kind of like when the band like almost in a weird way was reborn i don't want to say officially started because that kind of like takes away from the fact that we busted our asses for years before that but um we got signed in 2016 and released our first record in 2017 or our first proper record in 2017 so that's kind of like when the band like took on the form that it's most known for
1: okay And uh, now you're uh, working on your, your second one right? Uh, getting that one put out. That's awesome man. Uh, so your music's pretty broad, hard to categorize. Uh, I would call it progressive death metal. is that where you guys are at or
0: Yeah, that's fine. That of okay. course for me.
2: Yeah uh, depending on like who I'm talking to and what I feel like will make sense to them, I describe the band. As a de- I swear to God, every single time someone asks, like, oh, what music do you play? Again, depending on context, it'll be a totally different answer, but none of those answers are necessarily wrong. So I accept progressive death metal. I think that's a good categorization.
0: It's a good spot. It's a good spot to land.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, like I said, there's a lot of different things going into it. Uh, what are some of your big influences?
0: Uh, probably from the start, we were like, well, like what really turned the page on it was Dream Theater when we were kids. That was, like, the band that blew the door open, I think. And from there, like, the more narrow influences that actually comprised the band's sound a little more came through. And that was bands, like, the next wave was, like, Opeth and uh, yeah. Between the Buried to Me and Death Cynic. and Cynic, uh, Isis. Converge. Converge, yeah, Dillinger Escape Plan. Um, those are, like, the ones that sort of, like, structured what the band would eventually sound like um, and probably still most sound like to this day. But, uh, yeah. I was getting those, a lot those of the uh,
1: Between the Buried to Me vibes
0: yeah yeah we get that a lot <laughs> definitely definitely like a big influence mostly probably in like maybe less than six and more and like the attitude and structure of songs and the ability to just sort of go wherever we want with them
1: yeah uh going from like really intense stuff to uh nice beautiful passages it's kind of like the hallmark of at least the early between the buried and me stuff so that really shines through with you guys so uh what's the right yeah, we definitely process?
2: got a good bit oh uh sorry you go ahead no you're
1: good you're good man <laughs>
2: uh I, I would say I, I, with uh with uh between the barry because i know we like we just put out the better left unsaid ep and we got some comparisons on that to even like like mordecai from between the barry <laughs> and i wrote that song and while i was writing it at no point did i think like oh if i do this at this point it'll sound like that between the barry to me song and like, it, like that was something that never necessarily crossed my mind. But then by the time I'm listening back to it and I see someone say that about it, I'm just like, all right, yeah, maybe, maybe there was some sort of like unconscious influence kind of like leaking into it. I guess I can't necessarily get away from that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so what's the writing process like? Is uh, somebody primarily directing it or people just bringing in things and seeing if they work? How's that work?
0: It's kind of a little bit of both. Um, Mike and Matt are the primary songwriters, but they have very, very different approaches to doing so. Uh, Mike's very, very traditional. It's very, like, literally meat and potatoes. He gets uh, riffs that he writes down or videos on his iPhone. Like, he doesn't have an interface. He doesn't have any kind of recording doll. Like, Mike is as old school as they get. And I'll string together a whole bunch of riffs, make up a fake name for each riff, write him in order in his notebook, and take a whole bunch of videos of himself playing it, and then come into practice And literally just jam the whole song by himself on a guitar. And he's got the whole thing in his head. Like he knows what the drums sound like, kind of. He's got like a vibe for what maybe the second guitar is doing. And you have to sort of just like, there's this trust that goes into it because we've done it for so long together that most people would hear his process and just be like, dude, that just sounds like a hodgepodge of riffs because we can't hear what you're hearing. But we've, we've almost got this extra level of communication that we're able to do without speaking um where we can kind of see where he's going with a song before it even happens like he's jamming on it and he's like "Yeah, the drums will be kind of like we're (laughs) like yeah yeah okay that makes sense and then uh then yeah then we'll hash it out like usually matt and michael play around some beats uh over his over his riffs uh sometimes we'll sit in for that and and make suggestions and then once we kind of have a basic structure of the song. That's where I'll come in, color in my bits, do my arts on the guitars and, and bass. Jeremy will do, and then uh, yeah, and then last bit is Matt does vocal. He does all the lyric writing and for Mike and I to do the vocals on, which is kind of like a weird thing that happens. A lot of people think that Mike and I write the lyrics, but we don't. Um, so yeah, that's Mike. Mike plays guitar. Okay, so and two guitars vocals. and vocals. I got, you. Yeah.
1: I got you.
0: Yeah, it's a dual dual guitar dual vocal thing
2: pretty sick man and then my songs uh i write everything on guitar pro i cannot play guitar i grew up being able to play certain uh uh, like more i guess melodic instruments like piano and saxophone i don't really play them as much as i would like to now but uh so I, i i guess i have a sense for melody and harmony and all of those uh important aspects of writing songs uh but i have no idea how the fuck to play a guitar we're allowed to swear right Oh, yeah. yeah. Too late. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so I will go basically entirely off sound and I will write riffs and basically put together entire songs. Because, like, by the time I'm writing riffs, I can also think of what drum beats I want to play underneath them uh, since I get to dictate that. Uh, So but it still takes an aspect, even though it's a little bit more of like by the time I'm presenting my final product in front of the band, it definitely is a little bit more like I'll usually have guitar parts and a drum part and Oftentimes, a solid amount of the bass parts as well. So it's a bit more complete the product that I have. But like, it still takes a lot of like faith and communication in the other people in the band. Just because like, if it wasn't for them figuring out how to finger everything correctly, transpose stuff when it might not be as feasible as I thought it was. Like, basically all of the uh, the the faults of the fact that I am writing music for guitars, but I can't play guitar. They will uh, uh come in and help with that. How do, you,
1: how do you write guitar in uh guitar pro if you don't know what you're doing? Are you just like guessing? Just <laughs>
2: It, okay it's
0: sound it's purely sound you should have seen the early days where we had to figure out how to actually play it on guitars now he's gotten a little bit more of like a head around what a guitar kind of does and i would say you're like 80 percent there but there's still parts where i'm just like dude you can't do that with your hand <laughs> like it's not a thing you can do and so. every
2: every time that i wanted to like say like oh i'm worried about like is does this does this riff seem feasible Mike will always go. <laughs> Literally, don't worry about that. Like Mike is always just yeah. like, I don't care if it's not playable. Just write what you're gonna write, and let me worry about it after that. Because he always likes what I come up with. So again, it's yeah. it's very cross-based our writing process.
0: There's there's something about um, playing guitar and that you kind of always fall into your boxes that you're used to. You kind of grab the guitar, the neck feels the way it does, and you have your go-to. Um, tropes and having a drummer write guitar parts without any knowledge of how to physically play a guitar makes you do like you have, you look at these riffs and you go I would never do that and I think that's what creates some of the more interesting bits that we have because it's just it's a good, it's someone writing guitar without a guitar
2: yeah it's dumb luck <laughs> I introduce an luck.
1: aspect of dumb luck <laughs> <laughs> well honestly I think that's how a lot of music's written just just dumb luck that's how I do it man it just comes out you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. so you also write the lyrics. Um, hold on, I lost all my notes. Hold on one sec. Oh, uh, where was it? Okay. Yeah. You also write the the lyrics. Um, it's unconventional to have someone that doesn't actually sing, write the lyrics. How, how did that come along?
0: He had ideas.
2: Yeah. It, it started pretty early. Like it wasn't always like that, but it was pretty much as long as this, as Cryptid has been releasing music, I have been writing the lyrics. Uh, and it really just came from, like, yeah, I was, I mean, in, in high school, I was Nietzsche and I was probably fucking insufferable. Um, but I was able to, you know, write stuff that was poetic sounding. Also, I like fucked with T.S. Eliot a lot, uh, also kind of insufferable. But like, I, I, I kind of just had a sense for it. Um, and then now I am much more uh, ideologically correct and so my lyrics are better than ever and in fact no one no one writes better lyrics than I do
0: okay Trump <laughs> relax <laughs> they're tremendously nasty Trump but they're, they're the best lyrics They're the best lyrics
1: but, no but they're the lyrics against are.
2: Trump which makes them even more better um, but yeah so it, it, it kind of was just like one of those things that like when we were when we were first, becoming the the current formation of this band we had already realized like you know we've been playing with each other forever we don't we don't have to necessarily go by some like pre-made script we can just figure out whatever works and it was just something that kind of worked um and so i took over writing lyrics and you know uh even like I'll, i'll do a solid bit of like placement uh when it comes to like, for for the non-clean singing, it's pretty easy because, you know, growl or scream vocals are pretty much uh, rhythmic devices. So it's just sort of, like, finding, like, you know, convincing uh, rhythms that sort of back up the riffs, on, riffs underneath it. Uh, when it comes to singing, also just because, you know, I can write music based off of, like, the the sound of it and have a pretty solid sense of, like, what sounds good. Um, I'll I'll just be like, all right. Well, what about this little melody? But it always comes down to also basically going through it with him, and uh, he'll also have ideas that I don't hear. And also, like when I have an idea, and it's just like, holy shit! How am I supposed to do that while I'm playing the guitar? Then you know, we'll we'll not not to say that it's like a, a compromise at that point, but it I still need uh, a little help from my friends, and I get that.
0: <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know. The band has this interesting composition of vocals where, um, in the early days, it was just me. I just did scream vocals and clean singing. Uh, then Mike got involved in the fold and really added an extra dimension to it that was missing with more or a totally different kind of scream. So when you listen to the music, the low, the low sort of more traditional death metal sounding growl or whatever is me. Uh, all the clean vocals are me, and then all the sort of goblin freak screams are Mike. <laughs> um, but. So, especially when it comes to clean vocals, like Matt was saying, when he'll write these melody ideas and then I'll sit down with the guitar and go, okay, that'll work, that'll work, that won't work. Uh, that's a pain in the ass. That has to be changed. This has to land here. And then we'll sort of, like, go through it because we learned our lesson the hard way a few times back in the early days where it's, like, shit that I committed to that I shouldn't have. Um, so now we, at least when it comes to, like, melodic stuff and placements, it's, it's a little more collaborative where i like... Like i know specifically for the angel of history we sat writing these very seats uh working out a couple of the tracks and it was just a nightmare but like that's it though like, like matt said there's a lot of there's a lot of trust that goes into it i know that he's writing things that have like the music's best interest in mind so instead of being a baby about it and being like i'm not doing that that's way too hard i i can't play that part there i always go like all right let's give this a fucking shot let's see what you can do <laughs> i'm not i'm not committing to it but I'll, let's give it a shot let's see what we can do oh
2: wait also earth uh, uh worth mentioning um Ever since, so our current bassist, Jeremy, has been in the band since 2017, Um, so not like, as far as the the history of the band goes, relatively, uh, 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 you know, recently, Uh, but he has also started to take his hand at writing music. He writes music in much the same the way, uh, much of the same way that I do of like writing on Guitar Pro, but because he's a bassist, like has a bit more of a sense for like. Basically, it's much more that you know he'll he'll write riffs and then be like, all right, here's my ideas for the drum parts, but like I don't know how to program drums, and then I'll take over from there, and I'll still put the the lyrics and and vocal uh, uh, placements on top of that. But that's that's how um, our most recent single that came out, uh, a tendency to fall, uh, that's a Jeremy song.
1: Oh, that's so, one of the better ones he, on, the, on, the tr- on the album.
2: Yep, not only did he, he get his debut, but he wrote, uh, he wrote our, uh, what's it called, our liquid metal X-Radio single. <laughs> I guess that is what you could call that.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, Pizza Sushi Roll wants to know, uh, what's the relevance of the album title, Angel of History?
2: <laughs> okay um angel, yeah angel of history is based <laughs> off of uh walter benjamin who is a literary critic philosopher just kind of like uh one of those like early uh, 20th century kind of like jack of all trade thinkers um he wrote a short uh, uh theses called theses on the philosophy of history There was one where he was looking specifically at a painting of Paul Klee called Angelus Novus. And based off of that painting, which I still look at that painting to this day and don't get how he got this much meaning out of it because it's kind of a rough painting, but like I'm not, I guess, totally a fan of Klee's style, but he was. So I'm going to give it to him. But uh, based off that painting, he uh, theorized what became known as one of the dialectical images, which was the angel of history. And the angel of history is a figure that uh, is sort of, bound to this threefold modality where they are constantly trying to take account of all of the wreckage and disaster and horror and everything from the past, which is just piling up. It seems with every day, there's a new nightmare, a new tragedy and trying to take account of all of it in a properly revolutionary mindset. But they are also while doing that backward facing in the present constantly hesitating constantly stagnating because they are bound up over the past trying to think of all these things trying to take account of all these things and because of the brute succession of time are at the same time being blown backward facing into the future uh and like like the so it, it like captures that kind of like horrifying aspect of Both trying to do like to to properly account for and respect the past, uh, while also not letting that take up too much of the present, so that no forward proper intentional steps are taken into the future. Uh, So it's ultimately like that kind of sounds a little dark, but it he he had a very messianic and a very uh, bright way of thinking about history uh which is what i wanted much more with this album to kind of get across like the proper political responsibility of acknowledging the fact that a lot of shit is bad but also not letting that then uh like like mire us into the straits or the the, the 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 rivets of pessimism or or hopelessness or uh any other like nihilism like like certain cultural modes that are just far too easy uh, as opposed to true optimism for the future.
1: Damn, dude, that is so, yeah. deep.
0: <laughs> I want to just this is point why out why I
2: write the lyrics.
0: <laughs> I just want to point out the juxtaposition of him giving that extremely well thought out and an intentional answer, and I was popping a beer on the side of the frame, <laughs> trying to be as quiet as I possibly could in the middle of his very, very, very thoughtful thing. <clears throat> Cheers. <laughs>
1: uh so oh what was it okay yeah so uh i get the idea there's a story happening here um i kind of have a high school reading level so uh <laughs> i'm not 100 sure because you use some pretty big words uh but uh yeah is this a, is there a story to this i feel like it's a concept album
2: not really okay <laughs> not really. <laughs> so it's, there there is a there is a conceptual like and so so it's not A concept album as in there is a consistent narrative necessarily like we're following a character or something much more like intuitively congealed like that uh it is conceptual in the fact that it is consistently dealing with a certain basket of concepts uh that get developed i'm going to say dialectically but that probably for a lot of people won't mean too much in this sense, like dialectics really just means the fact that a certain way or a certain concept, a certain idea, a certain thought, let's call it, um, okay, like the idea of justice, uh, that, that's not something that just stands still. That's not something that is outside of history. It's something that has its own self-movement inside of it. As people think it, as people engage with it, as it gets spoken about and, and, and dealt with. It changes forms, but there is also something always slightly the same, which is that name justice. So that movement, despite the fact that the, the word says the same, that is what I will refer to as dialectics in this context. Um, I am so far away from your original answer right now, but I'm going to try to get back right now. Uh, so it is conceptual, uh, but it's not following like, you know, it's not a concept concept album in the sense of again like it's following a specific character it is uh uh trying to in musical and and partially like kind of like well like poetic form uh uh deal with a a set of concepts and how they interact with one another and how they might ultimately work towards reconciliation which is like the 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 largest concept uh uh reconciliation both in a personal sense of like trying to leave behind guilt trying to leave behind uh, uh despair trying to leave behind um any any form of thinking that may have uh, uh held a uh, a useful uh, uh, uh like any any kind of have had utility at one point but now it's outlived it's welcome and now it just makes us stagnate and makes us feel sad and makes us uh on that personal level too but also in a larger sense of reconciliation of historical reconciliation basically socialism it, it the 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 album's about socialism that's I could have just said that and a minute and a half ago it would have been so much easier. <laughs> But I, wanna, I don't want to just say that and be like, oh, this dude's just a socialist. I'm <laughs> smart, and that's why I'm a socialist. Guy's that's what like, I was trying to get to. <laughs> guy's like
0: a philosophical farmer right now with the fucking overalls and <laughs> books and shit.
2: I'm so sorry for rambling. That was, like, that was peak rambling right there. I think
0: I actually saw him fall asleep for a minute.
2: <laughs> I caught myself. I caught myself.
1: <clears throat> Did you study like uh, writing in school or something? Because like this is like a uh, very flowery kind of words, you know what I mean?
2: yeah, I a lot of what I know about philosophy was self-taught. I am currently in a master's program for philosophy, but like that was totally post festum. like not to say that I haven't learned anything like I've been in there for a year, and I've you know met some great people and some great professors and learned things that I would have never learned if I had not been in that program. but a lot of especially with this album because most of the lyrics and music and like the concept itself was kind of set in stone before I even started that program like it was it was sort of just the project of or the product of my own personal reading list I just really like reading I don't even think I like have fun doing it I think I just have to <laughs> and want to okay <laughs> uh so
1: i just want to remind chat that you guys could drop uh questions comments in the in the chat and i'll read them out uh let's move on to recording so you recorded this in early Jan- early january with uh the legendary jamie king who has worked with uh between the buried and yeah. the abiotic through the through the eyes of the dead just to name a few what was that like
0: it was fucking awesome, man. Jamie's Jamie's an absolute legend. Like we spent a lot of a lot of years as kids like watching all the studio videos from like BT Bam, the contortionist and shit, and just like you, you it was like crazy because like we knew our way around the studio almost before we got there because we're just so used to what it looked like, you know, from the internet. Um yeah, no, Jamie Jamie's an absolute legend. It's like most producers when they get abandoned like us, um, their instinct is sort of to try to tame it almost. It's like Okay, there's a lot going on here. Let's see if we can narrow this down to a more digestible product. Um, Jamie's instinct was the opposite, which is why we picked going with him, and we didn't regret it for a second. Like his everything we did that was a little kooky. He was like, "Fuck yeah, brother! Like let's do it again. Like (laughs) throw throw harmony on that, you know? Like that's just kind of what he did.
2: Maybe we should hold off on the Jamie King impressions while (laughs) we're on the air.
0: (laughs) Jamie would love it, man. He's the man's sense of humor is optimal he's a he's a great dude um yeah no, he, he was a blast to work with he he uh he pushed the band musically he totally understood we, what we wanted to go for um, this kind of music is obviously his wheelhouse based on the bands he's worked with already so it just sort of seemed like one of those matches that were like made in heaven and more or less like an inevitability more than like oh i can't believe they did that it's like yeah of course they did that so it, it seemed like it, it made sense to go there and and give that a shot, but yeah, it was an awesome experience.
1: So he was trying to push all to be more yeah, technical, yeah, or yeah. say again, I'm sorry, you were saying that he's uh, trying to push you push you guys forward uh, or push you guys more. Is that like to make the music more complicated or what? How is he uh, influencing so you guys? Much-
0: it was less that he'd make it more complicated and more that he'd give space to do it and, and the time okay. to do it. Whereas a lot of guys, like I said, would be maybe more instinctually to like kind of compress the band a little bit. And uh, he guess. was really, really helpful for vocals specifically. Cause when we were doing singing parts, um, we typically just write a main melody and harmonies are kind of, uh, I don't want to say an afterthought, but they're an on the spot thought. So like we usually roll through it together. So Matt and I and Jamie sat together around his computer and we, we got through, we literally ran through every singing part in the album. And we're like, should, does that need a harmony? Okay, if yes, here we go. If no, move on. And on all the if yes parts, we're like, okay. And then three of us are like, how about? Ha, ha, ha. No wait, how about? Ha, ha, ha. No wait, wait. And then we'd finally hit one that we liked, and I would, I listen in my head. I would go, all right, hold on, and I would drop everything and run to the vocal booth and track it like really quickly, and then run back out. And we did that for like three hours, probably. That, like that, <laughs>
2: that was like that was like a whole ass day. Yeah, it was like half a day. Melodies. Like that, that was also like one of like one of my fondest memories. Just me, Scott, and Jamie just sit, sitting around in his studio, listening to the same like 10 second <laughs> just on like, a loop like, <laughs> clip on a loop, and all, all of us are listening,
0: going to like no, what? And it was like before I forget, before I forget, and then I would like get in the booth and be like, "Shit, what was it? What was it? What was it?" And then they'd be like, "It was, it was that one. It was no, no, no half ah. step higher." Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. He, he. He entertained all that instead of just being like, "Dude, who cares? Like, no one's gonna hear it anyway." You know that, that he's really into layering the, and, and making it chill. So it was cool. It was a lot of fun, man. He's he's just a really creative guy and, and a very very smart guy. Really, really smart guy. Yeah,
2: he he really knows like how to strike balance between the fact that you know it's it's music that's meant to be play li- played live. Like that, the appeal to it is that it is it it's not meant to like not not to say that there's like you know by itself anything wrong with i guess like 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 bedroom projects but like we are like because we bring a lot of energy to our live performances too and because like we want to make the live performance it's like that is the end product of like anything we put out is making you want to see us live and so it, there is a balance between, like, okay, so there are some layers, some harmonies, some, like, little effects here and there that, like, that might not make its way necessarily into a live performance. But it, like, at the same time, it's, uh he, he referred to it as a uh, an audio business card, I think. Like yeah. It's yeah. just, like, d- just give someone like a a sort of like idealized version of what the music looks like and you know whatever those little hair those little uh, uh um uh like extra layers or supplements that might not actually be there in the live sound itself Whatever's lost in that is made up and then some just from the sheer energy of the live show so like being able to strike that balance between having the aspect of like the rawness, the the like the fact that it really does sound like it ought to sound like when you're listening to it live, but also like n- not realizing like yeah, you know we can add a couple layers and a couple extra like frills here and there just to like you know make the the recorded project uh, product something proper unto itself.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of the audio business card. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I was actually talking. <clears throat> Sorry, I was actually talking to uh, Topin Dawes from Fuck the Facts. I don't know if you guys know who they are. But yeah. anyway. Uh, okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, he was saying that he does a lot of, like, layering and multiple tracks and stuff, things that are just impossible for him to do live just so that uh, the the recordings uh, don't get sacrificed for the live experience. So it's kind of the same thing.
0: Totally, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I think another reason why I we went to Jamie was... Because he has an ability in like a world full of super overly processed bands and overly edited and like, you know, every single band uses the same fucking drum plug in the same everything else. You're seeing this sort of like a homogenization of metal sonics on records. And it's really something that's frustrating to us as a band. Like it's really probably one of the things that drives us most insane. Um, Me especially too. in our type of music that's supposed to be like, yeah, you know how it is. It's super pin drop, perfect, super tight. And like, there's this missing aspect of like this organic aspect. So Jamie's famous for making bands sound like bands. So like, <laughs> I really think when you listen to the angel of history, it is a pretty good representation of like what you'll get when you see the band live. It's not like, oh yeah, no, they don't really, they don't really sound like that, but, uh, they're cool. You know, it's not <laughs> really like that. You're getting what, what cryptid era sounds like with this album. How long did the recording take? Three weeks. About three That's weeks it? of living in Jamie's basement. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah we... Maybe even slightly less because like four or five of those days were basically just Jamie hammering out some drum editing and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as actual days spent in the studio, is probably about two and a half weeks, maybe 18 days, 19 days, something like that.
2: Damn. So, so also, like that was that was at the beginning of this year. That was a uh, end of January, going into February. So the whole world was different. I don't know if anyone else remembers uh January and February of this year.
0: Yeah, recording this record <laughs> was the last thing that we did.
2: Yeah, like we were just it feels like, like oh, years so and years ago, man. Like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna this is gonna sound pretty awesome. We're gonna put it out, we're gonna go on tour. Uh <laughs> and, none <laughs> and none of that really happened.
0: <laughs> Yeah.
2: So, uh. Yeah, it
0: it wasn't too. uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, you're
1: good. You're good. So, uh, you guys also recorded the EP at the same time. Uh, I assume it was more of like, oh, we got these extra tracks. Let's throw them on on an EP rather than deciding to do the EP before the album, right?
0: Yeah. So, when we went into the studio, we had too much music and we knew we had too much music. And, you know, we weren't about to put on an hour long album in 2020. Um, so. Those two songs, we weren't even sure that those were going to be the two songs uh, initially when we went in. So the idea was just to like, um, sorry, Matt's clearing, cleaning up a beer drop that I did. Uh-
2: <laughs> it been stressing me out. I've just been looking at it. It's like,
0: it's terrible. Um, yeah. So we, we weren't sure what songs we we're going to make and what we weren't. Uh, and the idea was like record it all once. And hopefully we had the time. And luckily, like we were able to burn through it all. Like, you know, in those 20 or whatever days we, we did knock out like 60 minutes worth of music. I recorded
2: um, all of the drums in two days. I am still happy. Please, that.
0: please pat him on the back. He needs to feel good about it. Vir- virtual, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just pat your webcams. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, yeah, we we had we were lucky to get everything done, and then we had some tough decisions to make. Um, once we got the mixes back, but um, we knew we wanted the songs we ended up landing on with angel history, not cause any of them were really better. That wasn't the problem. The issue is that like, what makes the most sense in context, like what flows the best, what yeah. kind of works with this song. Like the songs we knew were definitely going to make it. Okay. What of the extra songs lands properly? Um, so that left better left unsaid and unequal exchanges, like their own things. But we liked those songs a lot. Like this wasn't, like I said, not a case of like, Oh, we don't like those songs. Like we'll just bury them. It was like, fuck, we want to do something with these. Um, the initial plan was maybe singles, maybe split songs, maybe bonus tracks. Like it, We had no real idea what we wanted to do. And then the world literally slipped on its head and went on fire. Um, so we had uh, all this music and nowhere to go with it, like physically, nowhere to, to drive and play music to. So um, instead of hanging on, like the initial instinct when you have spent so much time and money on a record is to hold on to everything and go like, okay, well, we got to make sure we roll this out perfectly. Like we, we can't screw this up. Like these are our, our, almost like our musical assets, but we took this opposite approach. where We were like, fuck it. Like we have so much more music that we're writing. How are we going to hang on to these songs? We can't wait till a pandemic is over to like release a record or like, you know, like we aren't that important. Let's just fucking get these songs out. We'll do better left unsaid. And then after that, fuck it, more music. We'll put out a whole record like a couple months later and we we got a lot of like, like we did the EP and then like we announced the new record a couple weeks ago and we got like holy shit already like whoa like we just got this EP like oh my god but that was kind of like the vibe we were going for like we are already writing a third record we have and other all kinds of other like possible releases like we just have so much music sitting around
2: quarantine has been one of the most like just unnecessary productive just it, it's so many emotions so much free time it's it's a it's a it's a powder cake for songs maybe Definitely. we'll do
0: uh, a record release show for lp2 for the angel of history and the third record on the same day. Because that'll be probably by the time we are able to play a show again, we'll have a whole ass new record. It'll be like,
2: what's it called? Like, you know, 2022, we should be able to play shows again.
0: Yeah. So anyway, like the idea was like, yeah, fuck it. Like, let's just let's just drop it and go. You know, we can we can record a new record if we need more music. (laughs) Yeah. That's how it came into an EP and also an LP. Yeah.
1: I like the idea of releasing the EP and then a couple of months later, the LP, because uh, it keeps you guys relevant and like lets people know, hey, we're still around. And then you get a bigger reaction when you drop the full album.
0: Yeah, it, it's been cool, man. Like I said, like the everyone's just been a little confused. Like, holy shit, just got a few songs. Like, all right, fuck it, yeah, give me more songs. <laughs> so, like,
1: <laughs> How's the reaction to the EP been? And the new song. I guess you have a single was- out from this one, too. What's that? I said, I guess yeah, you have a single things. out from this one, too. So uh, what's the overall reaction yeah.
0: been? I mean, Better Left On was cool because that was our first release um, since 2017. We did Devil's Spare, our first album. So, like... We did the first record. We just got signed as our first signed release. And then we fucked off for three years touring. We toured the states. We did Europe twice. We did all this stuff. So the last frame of reference we had for for releasing music was the Devil's Despair, which is a really cool reaction. Almost like we're putting out Better Left Unsaid. Like, okay, what do? How many people like us now? You know, like now that we've done this for three years, like what's this reaction going to be like? Um, and it was fun. It was it was really cool, especially with when we announced the Angel of History pre order um with home really quick i'm gonna run and grab another beer do you want one no i'm good okay. that was terribly unprofessional <laughs> um so when it came to uh the angel history uh announcement because better left than so was fully digital there was no uh copies of that on vinyl oh, or CD, really? okay so it wasn't a proper. yeah no that was just a full you know here's spotify here's a little music video like listen to it um so there wasn't like a real way of gauging what the reception would be fine like in terms of like units moved or whatever like not that we really look at that too much but so anyway but the point is when we did the lp uh pre-orders and the reaction was very like oh my god like where can i get this in europe like why is there no U- uh uk distribution and we're like shit like all right people care about the band outside of this country now like that's that's really cool we didn't have that problem for the devil's despair nobody asked for it in europe so we had to sort out European distribution right after that and that was really cool. So it, the the experience of that has been awesome. It's been very rewarding to see people like worldwide caring about this band that we put together in our basement years ago.
1: Who's putting it out in Europe?
0: Uh it's still put out by Good Fight, but it's being distributed by Deathwish oh, okay. uh, over in Europe. Yeah, oh, it's like a partnership right. okay, kind of okay. distribution thing. Yeah, yeah. So like, Good Fight just gives them a whole bunch of copies of the album, Deathwish sells it. So that's been really cool too, because we're big ass Converge fans. So <laughs> like on a weird like personal level, it's like, oh fuck yeah, we're on yeah, Deathwish, like, like, that's like cool.
2: Seeing Deathwish just tweet like, oh, if anyone wants in the U, uh, U- Europe UK wants copies of the Angel of History pre-order pre-orders available here, and it's just like I didn't even realize that's that, fucking cool. Yeah, <laughs> that we'd be
0: involved in that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> We didn't really set that up either. We just like got an email one day. I was just like, "Hey, it was going Death Wish is doing it in Europe." Where you're like, "Fuck yeah, hell yeah, that rules!"
1: <laughs> so, uh, who did your cover art?
0: Uh, the cover art was done by uh, a guy named Adam Burke. He lives in Portland, Oregon. His art's name is uh, Nightjar Illustration. He also did the Devil's Despair, so it's kind of like. Dude, I was going to ask. It looks very similar tied. to that
1: one. I, I was going to ask if it was yeah. the same guy.
0: Very That's purposely, tight. yeah. That was very intentionally done is that like a friend um, adam's of y'all's done autopsy. say again
1: is that like a friend of y'all's this just someone you wanted to work with
0: no we just uh we were doing the devil's despair and we were looking like for something totally way better than anything we'd done prior like and that's not even to, like say anything we'd done prior on our eps and demos weren't cool but like we really wanted for our first album to go like way above and beyond so we spoke to our manager and he he was aware of adam's work he's like just check this guy's style out see if you like it and you're we like holy shit this guy's not kidding around man like he doesn't do any graphic design work it's literally just as old-fashioned as it gets much like the band is just like he had a canvas and paint and he would just paint and high res scan and send you the art and that's it he's like i don't put your name on it i don't do your album jacket i don't do like your text like that's all up to you to figure out i just give really? you a higher resolution painting yep so we had our buddy do all the like the actual like text placement and stuff like that our friend sean kelly um, but, yeah, Adam is just a pure artist, and that's why his shit is so cool. If you, like, zoom in real, like, close on those album covers, both of them, you can actually see, like, the paintbrush, struct- paintbrush strokes and stuff on it. It's really fucking cool, especially when you have, like, the vinyl in your hand.
1: That's badass. So uh, there's an actual painting somewhere, then. I guess he has it, or did he give it to you guys?
0: Or So he offers, like, a discount rate to the bands, and I actually have a really funny story about that. Uh, we, when we did The Devil's Despair, we were broke as shit like really broke. Cause of the first record. So he basically sells you the rights to the painting because his life is art. He sells his paintings in like uh, his galleries and online and whatnot. Um, so he, but just, he does give the band a discounted and early bird sort of like, Hey, before I put this online to sell it, you can have it for less money. But we were broke as dog shit. And we were like, well, that sucks. I guess we're just going to have to let it go. So we told him, no, you're, you're cool, man. You could sell it. You do your thing. And then we didn't think about it for like a year or so. And then one day, um, our friend Will Putney, who owns a studio in New Jersey, he has worked with Adam a bunch of times. And he noticed that Adam put our painting up for sale on Facebook. He's like, hey, I have a bunch of paintings that are up right now. They're up kind of prices. And one of them was our album cover. So Will tagged me in it right away. He's like, yo, Scott, like if you want this record, if you want the painting, like jump on it. And at that point, it had been about a year, and maybe we had a little more money. And I was like, oh, I would love to get it. And I immediately ran on it. I was maybe like four hours after he tagged me. I was busy when I didn't see it when he first tagged me. And so I like, bought it in four hours. Damn. And I was like, fuck. So uh, I hit up Adam right away. I was like, did someone actually buy it? I saw they commented that they wanted it. Did they actually buy it? He's like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, He's like, because they're a buyer, like, I can't tell them I can't sell it to them. But if you want, you can reach out to the buyer, maybe ask them if they'll sell it to you or like turn it over to you or whatever. And I was like... Nah, man, it's all good. So I have this weird thing in the back of my head where I feel like one day I'll get my hands on that painting again. But for now, somebody completely who does probably doesn't know who the band is, and we definitely don't know who they are, owns the painting for the Devil's Despair. For the Angel of History, I want to see if we can get our hands yeah, on wanna, it. We, we might... I
2: would, I would. I'd be happy to uh, throw yeah. in some uh some, so, dosh. Some, some
0: buckaroos. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I forgot actually, and I want to maybe talk to the band about about buying that one, not let it slip through our fingers again.
1: Dude, hell yeah. You guys should buy so it put in your you, practice spot.
0: Yeah, that's the. And if someone out there happens to be listening to this and you own the Devil's Despair painting, fucking give it to me, please. <laughs> we
2: will buy it at a premium. That is valuable artwork. How right? much did it sell for?
0: A couple. Probably like four or five hundred bucks something like that i think i don't really know it's in that range is typically what he like charges i think but i don't know if like things sit around if they get cheaper or whatever but so i don't know the final sale price but it's definitely a couple hundred bucks his stuff is is not cheap because it's it's worth that for sure like his stuff is incredible
1: and he didn't like put y'all's name on it or anything being like oh the cover of devil's devil's despair no
0: not that i'm aware of no i mean because they are his original pieces we just sort of give him art direction and what's really cool about him man is like that's another process that requires an insane amount of trust where matt will come up with a concept and we'll write him maybe like a five or six sentence paragraph and go like here's generally what we're going for here's the general color probably want can you make this half send us a sketch and we're like shit he nailed that. Like, that's pretty good. Like, maybe adjust this, that, the other thing, and then he gets one sketch, and then once the sketch is done, you get the full painting, and it's like we've never been disappointed. He's incredible.
2: It is kind of, like, nice in that aspect, because, like, the, the sort of, like, uh, poly-vocal aspect of the band, like the fact that, you know, it's not just one person that's just dictating all of these things, and you're getting the, the you know, the product of one person's vision, but rather the music itself is just, you know, uh, 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 bound from multiple different people, trying to figure out how to make something sound good, and then also with like um, the owner. Now, like, yeah, I, I have like uh, I like would type up a paragraph and just be like, "Here are some images." The the color palette was something that uh, uh, Mike and Scott were especially like very much uh, uh, had a lot of ideas for. We wanted to definitely depart from a lot of the much more darker aspects of the Devil's Despair, while still like having it be like, you know, the same like painted, like the texture is similar, but the, the, the overall feel and look, uh, is something totally different. And so like, I, I, uh, came up with like some conceptual idea. Like basically we just sent him that, 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 uh, what's it called? That thesis by Walter Benjamin that I, uh, described a little bit earlier, but adding a couple of my own twists to it. Um, And then, like, you know, uh, they came up with, like, the color palette, too. And then I had no idea exactly what it was going to look like uh, besides, again, those general images or concepts that I had in mind. But uh, I feel like it's always better, especially when when working with someone not to have a fixed image uh, because you can open yourself up to stuff that you didn't even know that you wanted to see and so i was so happy with uh and am so happy with the uh the the cover artwork on this record and the last one too do you
1: think he actually read
2: the thesis
0: (laughs) it was very (laughs) short so i actually do yeah Yeah. it's
2: like it's like less than a page so like that that specific like it it's not too much. Also like Walter Benjamin makes his way into a whole bunch of like art theory. So like you can you can just read that for cloud Like anyone anyone like moses into like a fucking gallery and starts talking about the work of art in the age of mechanical reproduction like immediately people are just like oh yeah shit, that everyone's guy, like that dude guy knows
0: what he's talking that guy's about. fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, it wasn't long. Adam's a very, very, very artistic dude, obviously. So when he read it, he was like, dude, this concept rocks. I'm really excited to dig into this. Also, uh, Pizza Sushi wants to know if pineapple belongs on pizza. And uh, I have a very hard stance on this. Fucking no. No, it doesn't fucking belong on pizza. Hard to bring fucking pineapple on fuck that all right uh you're gonna say some bullshit right now so just just take (laughs) take take care of
2: yourself here's the thing i have not yet had because i'm i'm vegan and i've had vegan pizza but like ever since making the the vegan plunge have not had pineapple pizza uh but when i did have pineapple pizza before taking that plunge i was fine with it and so you know what like if you really don't like pineapple on pizza just don't order it That's fine, but fuck you.
0: (laughs) The question was not, do I have to order it? The question was, does it belong on pizza? To which the answer is no.
2: And that's what you can tell your fucking pizza cashier. And if you want to take this fucking, like, uh, 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 just aggressive of a stance to someone that's trying to just do their job for a minimum wage, then fuck you.
0: I didn't say that. I worked at a pizzeria for 10 fucking years. I Jesus. feel like I'm allowed to speak on this. Okay? So, What if
2: someone got on the phone with you and just like was just like, don't you fucking put pineapples on that pizza. I swear to God, if you put pineapple on the pizza, I will cut your head off.
0: Okay. That wasn't the question. The question was, does it belong in the answer? No. Moving on, moving on. Case <laughs> closed.
1: What what is your your best pizza? Like what's on your pizza?
0: I'm a vegetarian, so like I, I don't eat meat or anything. So for me, I, I'm a big fan of like peppers and onions. But a good we're from New York, so we are gigantic pizza snobs. A good regular slice of pizza is unbeatable to me. Like yes, you can put all kinds of really cool shit on it, but like at the end of the day, if I need a slice of pizza. I need a trustworthy, good, traditional, regular slice of pizza.
1: <laughs> okay. Are you all vegetarian? Or-
0: Jeremy, our bass player, is not at the moment. He kind of fades in yeah, and did, out.
2: I thought I thought he was sticking with it. Did he? Did he? Did he cower it out?
0: Anyway? I don't know. It's hard for I him. It like depends. He's been consistent, but no. He, it depends on which way the wind blows for him, man. It, it. I don't think he is right now.
2: All right. So every every <laughs> member of the band that matters is at least <laughs> vegetarian.
0: <laughs> yeah mike and i are veg vegan, and uh jeremy depends on what day it is
2: i'm the most powerful <laughs>
1: okay so uh you guys got signed a good fight pretty early on in your career uh releasing your debut with them uh how did you guys hook up with them
0: uh when we were doing our uh demos for the devil's despair our manager was kind of poking around and uh you know we spoke to all the big like metal guys or whatever and uh, being that we are the kind of band that we are you get a lot of you get a lot of this you get a lot of oh man that band's really cool but uh talk to us when they're really big because nobody wants to take a chance on a band like ours because we're not flashing the pan kind of music where you just put out a single and it's like oh that's going to get you fucking 2 million spotify plays it's very much a growing process sort of band like you you look at a band like Dillinger you look at a band like BT Band or a band like Opeth or whatever none of those bands started out Really huge. Like they don't have a huge first record that they're like fucking playing for three thousand people. Um, they're bands that that are bigger now than they've ever been. Obviously, besides Dillinger's, they broke up. But the day that Dillinger broke up, they were the biggest band they've ever been. Yeah, you know what I mean. So rest in peace. Rest in peace to the best. Um, but so that kind of approach is 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 what we we, what we go for, and um, so we're not a very financially uh, appealing band for a label to start with. Um, so everybody wants our third or fourth or fifth album was the vibe that we were getting, basically, um, which was fine with us because these were labels that were probably too big for our kind of music where they probably would have fucked us in the end anyway. Like um,
2: We probably it like they're great labels, but for a band our size, we probably would have been put on the back burner and like basically would have been forgotten about for an album or two or three but we were caught in the contract with them, so then we just like get on the other side of that owing them a bunch of money.
0: Yeah. So was, it was it was it was important for us to like find a label that gave a shit about the band, not a label that you just definitely heard of, you know. Um so after a few more conversations, good fight, it expressed some interest and um we thought that was really cool, and then we just kept exploring options just to keep our shit rounded. And then um, they kept coming back, which was really cool to us because, like I said, not a lot of labels are, like, willing to jump on a band like ours. So the fact that they kept coming around to a bunch of freaks like us was like, all right, these guys these guys mean it. Like, they definitely like what we're doing here. They're not just trying to, like, cash in on us or get us locked into some ass contract or something like some Victory Records bullshit. Um, so, yeah, it, it just seemed like a natural fit. They're very organic. They're very indie. They're very grassroots, a lot like our band is. So... You know, they're just a couple of dudes who put out awesome records. It's it's not suit and tie shit. It's not I'm gonna make you famous kid shit. It's just like just dudes who were in metalcore and hardcore bands growing up who wanted to like put out cool music. So it's kind of just a match made in heaven on that front.
1: Well, it's still like a pretty good sized label, like to uh, sign you guys for your debut release after you just put out one song. It was just one song on the split, right? So like like how uh oh,
0: actually the- the split we didn't do with them you no know, they took the devil's despair as their first oh, no no i'm yeah, saying before that your... though
1: you just put out one song oh. before you put out the debut yeah and, like them willing to yeah. like take you in like it's still insane it's a pretty large label
0: they took us on basically demos of the devil's despair because prior to that we had done you know e- like eps in before the split but they're they're bedroom recordings they were demos essentially that we toured on and like the DIY ethic of the band, I think the fact that we were able to put ourselves on tour on demo recordings without having label support, and we've done that for a few years. Yeah, and
2: it like Mike. Mike isn't on the call, but yeah, I, it's Mike. Like spent so much time, like way early, like when we were like 19, 20, 21, 22, just constantly like over Facebook finding fucking promoter, like local promoters, somehow stringing together a uh, twenty-eight uh, uh, day long tours Damn. that are entirely DIY down to Florida, over, over to here yeah, the, over yeah. to, to, to fucking Alabama, up through Chicago, like back over to the north, like like for, and like not a single day was wasted too, and like obviously because it's all DIY, like it was a lot of shows that we ate shit on, and like you know we tried to t- to yeah. get guarantees, but not we did not always get those guarantees because they didn't have to answer to a fucking tour manager or anything like that, uh. So like, but like we fuck we did that for. Four years, five Something years. Like that, yeah. yeah. Like we, we were just and like we all things considered, like even if we didn't get uh, you know, uh that that kind of in for having much more like well organized and uh, uh structured tours and tour managers and booking agents and all of that much more uh, student tie shit. Like, even if we didn't get that, we would have just kept doing it for as long as we were literally capable of doing it. Um uh, I forgot what I was originally talking Basically,
0: about. Basically, yeah. So, so Good Fight signed on because they liked the ethic. They liked that we were we were doing all these things by ourselves, and we put out these self-release things and splits and demos and EPs and blah, 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 blah. But then when they heard the demos for the Devil's Despair, they were like, all right, this band means it. Like They'll put in the work themselves. They're not going to sign to our label and call us every five minutes and be like, well, why aren't we huge yet? you know so it's been very much like a, you know a working relationship with them and it's very like a and b and not just like you know us suckling for money or them begging us to make them money it's very much a symbiotic thing yeah, well
1: uh, so you basically <clears throat> i'm sorry allergies are a bitch right yeah. now uh so you basically answered the question but uh do you have any advice for the up-and-coming bands like what are bands doing wrong what should they be doing to catch a label's eye that kind of thing
2: so it's it's rough right now with the pandemic because live shows are in. So like I honestly, if let's, we, let's yeah. assume those
0: shows. Let's let's yeah. do under normal circumstances. Under, we don't know under, shit yeah. from shit under when it comes to this.
2: Normal circumstances, if we because like right now, like the the whole idea of you know a, a bedroom project and getting into streaming and all of that stuff that may have been typically considered kind of like more uh 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 vain or or like vanity driven aspects of it those are actually turning out to be pretty solid loci of exposure and experience right now and being able to know your way around streaming is important but if like all things normal um fucking play shows eat shit yeah play shows just (laughs) and play shows good like practice like make sure your live show like it doesn't matter if fucking three people are there. And those three people are the only members of the bands that open for you that decided to stay around long enough to see your set. If there's anyone in the audience, just play for them. Like you're playing to a thousand fucking people, like just love the music and love live performance and do it because you want to do it. That is literally like, it's hard to say like, this is advice. It's if anything, like it's just what we were doing because it's what we wanted to do. Uh, But like, that just happened to be the thing that like we, we, i guess we just always had a consistent sense of like we're not doing this because we want to be famous like if we wanted to be famous writing music we wouldn't be fucking playing progressive death metal but there is something just so attractive about this music to us and the culture to us and and playing live to us and being able to be on a stage and playing to anyone whether it's 3 people whether it's uh, like 1,500 people. Like it's just so much fun and we get so much joy out of it. And when you can get that joy out of it, like you start like the economic calculations of it, like that starts to, it gets thrown out for the most part. But along the way, you realize that you made far more well economic uh, uh, calculations than you realize you were making.
0: Basically be willing to eat shit. You, you can't, I, I think, um, I think everybody wants to start a band, and everybody wants to play the shows that they went to go see when they were a kid. But very few people want to actually. I think they stop short of doing the thing they absolutely have to do to do that. There was moments when we were young and starting our, our our getting this band off the ground in high school and shit, where you know every one of us was expected to go away to college. Like okay, like while well, you're finishing high school, like pick your college, fucking fuck off to some other state. And then, you know, that's it. And we were all like, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay home. You know, we'll go to college or whatever, but we're going to do it here. We're going to stay in this band. And that's a conversation most kids don't want to have with their parents. You know, I'm not going to fucking SUNY Cortland or something. I'm staying here right. and I'm doing this music thing. And, and then the like, bigger I one, it's know okay, you're going. <laughs> yeah, we literally had the know you're going conversation. And then we had to have the no we're fucking not conversation. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, on top of that, then you, you book your first you book your first tour if you're lucky enough to actually string together all those dates like Mike did and put in all the fucking hours of messaging random promoters, be willing to play for $75 and eat a whole bunch of shit. And then when, let's say you get that tour booked. Now you talk to your boss at work and you go, dude, I need two weeks off of work. I'm going to go on tour. And they go, okay, well, you need to find a new job when you get back then because you don't work here anymore. You know, be willing to have that conversation with your boss and either be willing to lose your job or be willing to work out a way to not lose your job. And these things aren't glamorous. They're not for everybody. I'm not saying, like, fuck it. You got, no, you know, $2 to your name. Go quit your job. But if this is what you want, be willing to eat the shit. Be willing then, to take the plunge a little And bit.
2: then when you're on tour, you get to the shows on time. Even if the fucking promoter is not there until two hours after doors are supposed to open, you're there a half hour before doors open. Because, like, just having that, at like, even if it's a semblance of professionalism, just, like, realizing, like... It, there's a there's a time that loading supposed to be. Do everything you can to Just get, get their there on time. Just get there, and yeah. you know uh, if you, you there's some local bands that are opening for you. Fucking say hi to them. Check their merch. Watch the band. band. Like yeah, watch <laughs> them. Like be engaged in all of it because they're also a part of the entire live music experience. Just like d- never think that you are above any aspect of it. And I don't want I don't want to yeah. drag
0: it out, but like all the meaningful connections we have in this musical world are literally from just being cool and hanging out. Um, you know, not, not being above anything like Matt said. And we just did last year um, in 2019, we went on tour with Val Maya and in intervals, which was the biggest tour that man had done at the time. Um, and, you know, so we were kind of shitting our pants a little bit. Like we had done some decent sized tours, but that was like our our biggest one to date, you know, with like all the necessary parties involved. So, we were like, okay, if the day sheet says you are supposed to get there at three thirty, we're gonna get there at three, and then we would plan to get there really at like two thirty. So we were getting there about an hour earlier than we had to be every single day. And then we were on stage when we were supposed to be. We were off stage when we were supposed to be. You know, don't take fucking twenty minutes in between setting up and breaking down. Like, just do everything quickly. And the biggest compliment we got from Val Maya and Interval's respective crews was very like, "You guys are the easiest fucking band in the world to work with." I'm gonna tell everybody about your band. And we were very small, but every big band is not necessarily looking for the biggest opener because openers are essentially just not big. That is part of the job is to not be big. That's why you're the opener. So they're looking for one that's going to be easy. You're not going to show up, make their life miserable. You're not going to make the show run off time. You're just going to be fucking easy to work with. And so, yeah, just be cool. Just be cool and be willing to eat shit.
2: And also be willing to hang out. Well, uh, that's one of the things I've been hearing
1: ever since I announced that I was going to talk to you guys. I've been getting all sorts of uh, comments from people saying that you guys are the coolest dudes and everything. So uh, it's your reputation for that is starting to uh,
2: take hold.
0: That's great. I love that. I love everybody. So I uh, do
2: mean it. it. It's not. It's not. It's not some like weird. Sem- We're not like reptile people that are just like, <laughs> oh, we have to just appear cool so that we can. Expand our clout, by No, that we just much. we like hanging out. We man. just fucking love to hang out.
1: Well, I I get that sense from you guys. So uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah. I, I would say you guys are cool. <laughs> uh, so you guys, hey, so you're uh, cool too. <laughs> so uh, you guys stream uh watch parties. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to catch the last one. Um, what made y'all want to do that?
0: That uh, so are the two guys who are not here right now, Jeremy and. Mike, biggest fucking movie buffs ever met in my entire life so being that covid like absolutely ruined the entire world we decided we had to stop being so old-fashioned and get into some of this streaming shit and you know because it's all really cool stuff it was just territory we never uh, ventured into prior so we're like well what do people stream you know it's like video games and you know q a's and whatever musical stuff which we all which we said we were going to do um but because mike and jeremy are such massive movie buffs they're like yo what if we figure out a way to stream movie parties where we can chat and bring in some friends or whatever. Um, so, being that Amazon owns Twitch, uh, fuck you, Jeff Bezos, we're allowed to stream Eat Amazon shit. Prime movies on Twitch without it being oh, really? elite. So, like, I can't stream. Yeah. So, you can't stream Netflix, obviously, on Twitch because that's Netflix's product. People have to subscribe to Netflix to be able to watch a Netflix movie. But if you subscribe with Prime on Twitter, uh, Twitch, whatever the fuck we're on now, um, you can start a Prime watch party and anyone who has prime can then watch the movie along with you so the big window will be the movie and then we'll have mike and jeremy kind of tucked in the corner and just kind of like chatting and goofing around during the movie obviously not in such a way where we can't watch the movie um so we had some movie buff friends on the the first one we did we had uh, our buddy carson from the callous dowboys another really cool math core band. really really fucking they have an incredible record coming out like i i'm gonna be that guy right now i'm gonna be brag guy i've heard the record it's fucking awesome
1: it's better than um, the last one. And then one, we had or?
0: Nolan. No, the new one. It's not out yet.
1: Oh yeah, yeah but it's gonna. It, it's it better than out. the last one they put out.
0: Oh, oh yeah, no, fuck yeah. And Diamar's absolutely fucking shreds. Dude, I was one. gonna it say was that out. that was my yeah. uh, I mean, album
1: of the year. Like that shit's amazing.
0: Like it, it, it's it kicks its ass. It's Di- awesome.
2: Diamar's is sick, but also the new music also sounds really sick.
0: Yeah. Damn, um. Dude. Fucking. And then we had uh, Nolan from the band Vatican on as well. So it was Nolan Carson, and then our our Jeremy and Mike and just so much fun man like it it was something that like
2: vatican also very good vatican whoops <laughs> ass
0: yeah that band absolutely shreds um and yeah so i just watched the stream as a bystander because it had nothing to do with me like it was just my bandmates doing the thing and like it was so much fun just like watching them all riff off about these like really bad horror movies like it's definitely something we're going to be doing a lot of
1: that was the second time you guys have done it right uh, y'all try to do it on instagram before <laughs>
0: we done a Netflix party uh, during the heavy lockdown of the pandemic. So that was not videoed because Netflix parties fully chat. So on Instagram Live, they would chat about it beforehand, and then we'd all jump over to the Netflix party. So it was a little bit different. This is way better because you can literally just log on and watch the stream while it's happening. And, you know, the chat's not just text chat. It's actually like a video.
1: Let's say... So... Uh... Pizza sushi roll wants to mention that uh, you guys said you're not reptile people, but you named your band after turtles. So uh.
0: <laughs> we're not reptile people, but we named our band. That- that's we just got called the fuck out. Look, have a shark says you you're don't very have to sus. <laughs> I, you just shit. You
2: don't have to be a lizard person to just appreciate reptiles. Yo, let's just let's
0: just admit it. We got called out. Like we're look, fucking reptile people. Just look how <laughs>
2: sexy their scales
0: are. I'm gonna unzip him right now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like if, if you think about it, like being blooded is just a huge waste of energy.
0: This is not us admitting that we're reptile people, I swear. <laughs>
1: uh so you guys mentioned a couple uh already, but what kind what is What's the last album you guys listened to?
0: I've just got really hot on this record by a band called Deep Sea Diver, uh, which is not a metal record at all. It's this cool sort of like, I don't really know how to describe it, like a, just a really cool rock album, which is like not something I would normally like, I don't say, I, want, I don't want to say I would not normally venture into, but it's got this indie rock sort of vibe, like Jazz Masters and Lots of Pedals kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a record called Impossible Weight by Deep Sea Diver. And, I've just been on a lot of chill stuff. I go through all these moods where I'm like super into metal for a minute, and then there's times where I just put it down and I just don't care um, about metal. And I'm kind of in one of those right now where I'm kind of like vibing out to some some chill stuff. So I've been almost a deep sea diver a lot. Um, Matt and I both got into a band called Now Now this year that really fucking kicks ass. They put out an album like 2012 or something called Threads. So, like, my album of the year is, like, an album from eight years ago, which is fucking terrible to say. But it's so, 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 so good. And I just can't stop listening to that. Um,
2: As far as, all right, so I've been listening to a couple, like, singles and smaller stuff. Like, the the two songs that just came out by System of a Down, like, I've been listening to that, even though, like, I'm, I'm still sort of ambivalent because, like, they seem to be, you know, good people, but also the drummer seems to be, like, John
0: Dolmayan can eat shit, but that uh, band just, rocks. Just
2: let me play drums for you. I can play drums for you. <laughs> I'm. I swear to God, I can play all of those parts. And like my fucking politics are spotless. Just if, <laughs> if, if at any point, just you know, you know, you don't even have to respond to this. It's fine. I'm not actually expecting anything. Just know, offer's always there. I'm. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, the uh, as far as like actual album, uh, the that uh, what's it called that that comp or or that that um, what's the word uh. Not compilation, but uh, 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 you can do it. What is it when two artists work together? Split
0: or collaboration? Collaboration. Oh, there That's he right. is. All right, we're uh, here. The, the
2: collaboration between uh, Emma Ruth Rundle and Thou. Oh, right. Uh, on, that yeah, album yeah. that just came out like two weeks ago. That shit's fucking sick. Uh, also, I've been listening to a lot of Purity Ring. Um, they're they're like an electronic group, but they just did like a remix of Knife Party. By Deftones, and that song, like the their remix of it, is fucking wild. Also, before that, they put out a cover of "Better Off Alone" by DJ Sammy, which is one of my favorite fucking dance songs from the like late '90s, early 2000s. And to hear them do it, that's great. Oh, wait, we gotta, we may
0: have a visitor on the guys. podcast today. Oh, <laughs> what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um Yeah, but very also non-metal right now. Oh, also kind of in our world, like the one thing that's actually close to what we play. um The new interval singles are fucking awesome. Yeah, all three of those yeah, are fucking those awesome. Are, those are uh, Th- that band can't do any wrong apparently because that shit is. In-
2: I feel like Emma Ruth Rundle, and that was also in our wheelhouse a little bit. But kind also, of. yeah, the the in, the interval songs that have been coming out are it, it, it's sick that they're pretty much going to be putting out the record right around ours too and like it, it, it,
0: that way nobody pays attention to ours yeah of-
2: <laughs> but like maybe because uh they like us we might we might receive some of their excess clout
0: maybe like nine of their fans will listen to our album yeah. instead
2: The i'm all about the clout
0: yeah no we're, we don't like music we're just here to you know be cool
2: again i can't figure out why exactly we decided to play fucking death metal because it's not of It's not what you typically associate with clout. Uh,
0: Pizza Sushiro wants to know what we think about the new Mr. Bungle, which I believe is kind of like the old Mr. Yeah, Bungle.
2: Wait, isn't it a re uh, a it's, re-recording? It's, of yeah. Their first. Yeah. E- yeah. E- it's, yeah demo.
0: It's, it's it's new old Mr. Bungle. It's fucking awesome. Like I didn't even. I will be the first to admit I didn't even know what that demo sounded beforehand because the Mr. Bungle I'm familiar with is like California and like that kind of stuff, not like thrash metal Mr. Bungle from when they first started, but. I did check it out and it's fucking cool. It's just so cool to hear Mike Patton doing Bungle in the year 2020, like in any form. So yeah, it kicks ass. Big fan.
2: Also, just uh, yeah, I, I have actually not listened to it yet. I do want to listen to it. Uh, just, I love California and Disco Volante. Like Those albums are like, I, I got exposed to those while I was like relatively young as well, like probably, like, I don't know, like like 16 or 17 years old and like they have always just had the most abject place in my heart, um, and so like I, the the fact that I can like go on my streaming service and see new music by Mr. Bungle, even if it's old shit, I'm just like, well, the fuck, I should listen to that.
0: The band's important to, to our band.
1: Yeah, people keep comparing my shit to Mr. Bungle, and I still have never heard Mr. Bungle. I need to
2: get on there, dude. Listen to
0: California. Oh listen to California, dude i'm telling you california is
2: actually a master it's it's actually fucking ridiculous how smart that album
0: is shit whoops too much ass
2: in so many different ways like we don't deserve that record oh one more
0: i just saw my own shirt in the camera i've been listening to daughters a lot lately too actually that's that is the one heavy i've been listening to a lot yeah I, i that's a band that like just fucking whoops ass but like i took a long break from it and like a couple maybe like a week ago i just i i put on you won't get what you want again and i was like this shit is out of control. I've actually
2: I've been off daughters since summer, but I should probably get because you know what? Because it's it's daughters, daughter's season, yeah, by the health, way. It's now it's terrible health outside. Just so put out their their <laughs> new record not long ago. So I've been listening to health too. Health whoops just ass. On the yeah. aspect of like, you know, uh, uh with the electronic music, but also like health is its own animal. But because like you know, they went on tour together, yeah, that made me think like, Oh fuck, this health record, this is it's all like fucking remixes. Fuck. Listen to Daughter tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I, I should listen to Daughters. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll be cool.
1: Yeah, the the last one they put out, it's cool, but it's not something I want to revisit. You know, I I'm a huge fan of the early stuff, though. What? Man. Canada songs is my jam. What? <laughs> what? It's cool, man, but no! like, there's only so much depression no! you can take. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no,
0: I get it. No, I get it. Canada songs kicks ass. Canada right. songs
2: is great, but like hell songs.
0: Oh, know, hell like, songs is dope title? too. No, here's a,
2: like, no,
1: I'm
0: saying the The, deal. the newest one, last one was good. Though. The last one's my favorite Daughters record. That is my I I can't even really? say it's not Taken anymore cuz it's such a big ass album. It's so fucking good. I honestly this is going to be my hot take. The Daughters records are good in backwards order. What? I like the newest one best. Self-titled second best, Hell Songs third best, Canada Songs fourth best. That is my take. I will live and die by it. I will die on that hill. Incorrect take.
2: And like even that <laughs> Canada like, Songs that, song. that Canada song is Canada Songs bad. It's just to say that yeah, Canada Rocks, yeah, it's, just, it's just, just that all the albums that came out like out after it are proportionally better. So like they fucking grew.
0: I get it. though. I get it. You know, you know why I think that, though, and, and this is probably a huge difference between you and I is I actually wasn't there for Daughters in the beginning. I did not get into Daughters until last year. Oh, I wasn't so I there at the beginning that- either oh no shit okay so yeah. then fuck that then you i know, made that I, I,
2: didn't, I didn't really start listening to them until they opened for the flat, yeah yeah the last Dillinger i guess shows. it was like
0: 2018 actually I got into it probably 2017. like well, for, well that was the very last 2017 basically. Yeah, December, basically i probably got into daughters like late last year actually so i was even i was even late after that i took me a while like him and, and the other guys got into it pretty quickly and i just didn't pay attention right away um but then what i got was into the last, it last one year, was, the like, first bullshit. one you heard yes but it wasn't initially my favorite so i i okay. mike told me yo start with you won't get what you want it's the best daughter's record i said fine put it on thought it was pretty good then i put on hell songs that was my favorite for a week then i put on the self title that was my favorite for a week <laughs> went back to was one and went no this is unequivocally the best one and i have not changed my opinion since then <laughs> it's so good it's <laughs> fucking so good. incredible dude just that what's that fucking song um uh the reason they hate me that song is out of its own mind it's so cool They're like don't tell me how don't to do me my me how to do my job, job. it's fucking crazy <laughs> so cool i'm gonna listen on the way home
1: uh, man, i just missed the the grind that they were doing man that this shit was dope
0: yeah it's a matter of if, like, if that's your thing or if like the weirdo noise rock shit's more your thing so yeah, it really yeah. just depends on you know tastes like anything else
1: so, you guys uh, were touring pretty extensively. Uh, you have to have some stories. Uh, like, what was what was the best show you've ever played?
0: I have, like, a top few, but the one that sticks out the most to me in recent memory was the Veil Maya Intervals tour. We did Gramercy Theater in New York. Um, we're from New York, obviously. But that was kind of like a, a little bit of, like, a full-circle moment because when we were kids, we always went to see shows at the Gramercy. So, it was, like... You're so used to being on that side of the barricade. Yeah,
2: we, you know so I mean? we saw a Cynic there. So we Cynic
0: we saw, there. Uh... I, I saw The Faceless there and Suffocation and shit. Um, I don't think you are at that show, but we just saw lots of cool shows there. So, like, to be on that side of the barricade was a really cool moment. Uh, the show was sold out, too. That was huge. Damn. And we were playing We were playing very early because we, we were opening the tour. It was uh, in order, veiled my intervals, uh, Strawberry Girls, and we opened. So a lot of the shows, you know, how it's like when you're opening bands Some people come in late or whatever. That's how it was for most of the tour. But we were so psyched on this hometown show, especially because it was four weeks into a six-week tour. So we had kind of, like, left New York and, like, went all the way across the country, like, you know, all the way to the south and then back up to northeast. So it was almost like we'd done this whole-ass tour to come home and, and hit Gramercy. And, like, we hit the stage at 7 o'clock, and the place was fucking packed, like, just— Totally packed, people losing their minds. It was our hometown crowd. So instead of us like opening in California, where no one's ever heard of us, and like people are like, "Oh, this is cool," and they do the like, arm cross thing, it was like, "No, this is our crowd. This is for like we're the opening band, but this is our fucking crowd. These people are here to see us." And it was just sick. It was such a cool show. So there's been other ones, but that was that's one that always sticks out to me.
1: That's badass, man. What about you, man? Yeah,
0: someone asked how the European tour was, and and uh, is a good question because. London with Rollo Tomasi sticks out in my yeah, mind too. Uh, that, that was a big that, one.
2: I was going to say, like, one of the only other shows that I have could have thought of as far as, like, not only just with Rollo Tomasi, but um, so the the first time we were over there, um, we were on tour with Palm Reader, Rollo Tomasi, and it was us. And that was one of the best fucking tour packages ever. Uh, just, uh, like, across the board, fantastic people, fantastic music, just the most fun, I think. I, I don't think I'll ever have that yeah. much fun no, ever like, again. Rollo Tomas, I think I peaked. Are the most fun people ever, and Palm Reader as well. Uh, they're slightly less fun, but they're, they're still <laughs> great.
0: <laughs> That's a dig. That's not true. That's a dig in, in hopes that one of them's listening. Yeah.
2: But um, uh, when we, uh, so we did like a whole European tour. The first time we went over there, this is back in 2018, um, and go through all the continent, you know, play France, Germany. Uh, the whole Italy, all the vibe yeah, you know, everywhere like, all places that we've never been before and just had like the the just best like talk about a, a great first experience for being over there uh, and then we get back to the UK and we play 5 days in the UK through Scotland and then through like, England the, yeah, yeah England and every single of the 5 days was sold out and across the board damn, the, the very last show, off. yeah the very last show was in
0: London uh, 600 600 cap room that was yeah. the the garage I know Riva's in the chat, and they probably know what's up with that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the garage in London, it was a Royal Tomasia headline. It was their biggest show to date. Uh, their biggest headliner today, I should say. And, and we
2: got to open that, and, you know, it was, like, our. it was the very last show for us in our time over, uh, overseas for the first time, and just talk about absolutely hospitable uh, welcome and finale. Uh, that, finale. Shit, that shit yeah. was a
0: finale to that tour. It was so sick. So many people, and such a good vibe, and, like, England treat, really the whole UK treats us better than most countries do. Yeah, like then we just love to when play we went shows back
2: like, Last year in a uh, summer of uh, 2019, it was also just like you know uh, the the routing was a good bit different. But uh, we, the, most of the shows we played, we did do one festival, Radar Fest, right? Was it?
0: We did Radar, yeah. yeah in, and and uh,
2: uh, uh, Roll Tomasi was on that, and uh, Roll Tomasi took us out on most of the the, the mainland tour itself too. And again, Rolls we love you um shout out roll but uh by the time we got back to the uk we did actually a few shows with um animals as leaders and car bomb yeah that and shit oh, was ass, really that was a lot of fun.
0: yeah yeah, yeah that, that shit's on the top glasgow show was one i remember quite fondly yeah yeah that lineup because that one had rollo whereas the other ones didn't So that lineup was top to bottom animals as leaders car bomb Rolo Tomasi and us. And that's like one of the most powerful lineups we've ever been a part of. Right. It was like intimidating to play. Yeah, that was terrifying to play.
1: (laughs) So your first tour over there, you 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 played played the sold out uh, venues. That's awesome, man.
0: Yeah, we got very lucky. So Rolo came to America in late 2017, uh, supporting the number 12 looks like you. And we were on that tour as well. So the tour package was 12 Rolo and us. And we never met Rolo. I, admittedly had never even heard of rollo at the moment and they were the other sport bands they hit us up and we're like hey we're coming to america to do this tour with you guys it's like our first like full proper u.s tour do you want to share a van and we were like fuck it let's make some friends let's make a whole (laughs) bunch of like you know we'll we'll save some money we'll rent a van together like we
2: have like been we have shared we've done it a lot yeah we've never known before just from like you know, bands from like in New York that, yeah, like, you know, like so
0: it was like, well, what's the worst that can happen? It was like a short tour, it was less than two weeks, like what's the worst that could happen? They suck ass, and like we just deal with them for two weeks in one day, we were like, this best band we've ever been on tour with, like they were so much fun we like we we immediately had this moment where like this is gonna be the most fun tour ever, like, and it was, so uh, we became close with them, and then we obviously started to realize what kind of band they were, and they were much bigger overseas. And we we're like, shit, that's this band has a legit following. Like everyone, even in America, that was their first proper US tour. People were fucking psyched to see them. And I had never heard of them and I felt like an idiot. I'm like, everyone here wants to <laughs> see this band. And I'm like, well, Who was the shit? And I remember the first show in Philly. I just watched them from the side stage and I was like, This shit's like we got to step it up. Like we we're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to really step it up here because like this band's gonna embarrass us nightly. Um. So yeah, we became like inseparable friends at that point, and then only a couple of weeks later they hit us up and were like, "Yo, do you want to do Europe with us after the New Year?" And we we're like, hey, "Fucking yeah! Are you kidding? Like, let's go! we have never been to Europe before."
2: That's another lesson for like if you being, just, cool. You just be cool <laughs> being cool, be cool, fucking hang out. Like when they came over here, like by, I remember like the very first night they fucking crashed at my place. Uh, and my my first because it was like the first like a, a professional like it, it, the the number twelve tour was the first tour that we did that we were a signed band and the first tour that yeah. we did with other signed bands as a signed band mm-hmm. and so like my my thought process was just like all right let's just like I want to be as hospitable as possible to these people like you know they're they're in a place they haven't been before like I just want to like make sure they're comfortable and like we just like
0: hang out chill last yeah. night yeah they, they, you know what it is like. It- that is a perfect like example of like what like your advice to bands question is that like, Rolo Tomasi gained essentially nothing by taking us on a tour to Europe, which like sounds like weird to say, but we had no following there. We had never played there. Any following we had in Europe was purely from Spotify, which was not very much. So it was like for them to take us over for their headline tour for their new album, which at the time was that album "Time Will Die" A "Level Barry, which is a fucking ten out of ten album. Oh, Great right yeah. um, That was like sort of like the, the proper release tour for that record. You know, when you do like a release tour like that, you want to make sure it's as big as possible. They they could have made like the crowd or financial decision to go like, well, let's, let's try to get the biggest support bands we possibly can. But Palm Reader was obviously a smart one for them because they're a, a solid sized band over in Europe too. But for us to take us, they gain nothing from that besides a good time. Like that was that was purely like we love you guys, we want to bring you over here, we think this crowd would love you, come here. So that didn't help them as much as it helped us, and that like is kind of the shit that we are so indebted to them and so many other people for doing is just like liking the band and taking a chance on it, much like a, like like asked about Fight Before, much like good for chance on us. Rolo took a chance on bringing us over to Europe, and then they did it again, and like that's the kind of shit that only happens if you're cool <laughs> it right, only happens right. if you want to be cool with everything like, um but yeah so the, those dudes like we are just indebted to them forever i don't even remember where we started on this but that's where we're at now oh it, does, that's cool your show was
2: totally it, it's just uh, right bomb. right the yeah. b- best show right so yeah you're yeah uh, yeah yeah, so, like, <laughs> yeah. The UK, but like also yeah the the grammar show that definitely sticks out in my mind <laughs> london
0: was cool glasgow with yeah, animals like, was cool the, yeah the yeah um, there's some shows there's some fucking shows right?
2: Also, like uh the most fun sh- like okay so if we're talking about maybe not necessarily best show but probably the show that as far as like every th- all of the Components that went into it that I probably had the most fun was actually in Boise, Iowa. Uh, Idaho. 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 Yeah, that Iowa. was a weird one. That yeah. was a
0: cool ass weird it day. It
2: was uh, also on the uh, Valve Maya and Interval store. And um, it was like, it was a festival, but like they turned the whole city into it. Like it was. Festival like in place, and yeah. there's three or four stages. Like, it was multiple venues within a city that it was, was 20, 26
0: venues in yeah. the city of Ida. Boys, and guys. so like
2: if you bought the band to get you into the festival, you were like able to get into any one of those 26 uh, uh, venues. And we were in like the, the fucking heavy metal venue, so like if anything, it was like as far as the other shows that we were playing on that tour, it was the most familiar because it was like. Slightly smaller place, definitely more packed, like less less room in general, but just like more grit, more more organic, just fucking. Just small venue show. It's a small it was venue, a show. Bar, a small like, venue yeah. show, yeah. Uh, and so, like, uh, I, for for multiple other reasons that I don't feel like getting into an in interest of time, but like, he was drunk. Yeah, I I don't <laughs> like to play drunk when I play live, but because of the the general conditions surrounding that show, I was more intoxicated than i have ever been for any other show but it turned out we think good. we think we
0: played good yeah we don't
1: know <laughs> you held it together you held it together no vomiting
0: yeah yeah it was outside no, it, that was like one of the first because
2: of like the weird structure of the shows too that was like one of the first uh, uh shows on the tour that uh members from Vale and intervals actually like got to watch our band and yeah. from there it just became a lot I mean, more a easy. couple of guys who
0: watched prior but yeah but like to matt's point like there was a much small there was no like green rooms and backstage not that anyone like actively didn't watch the band earlier It was just that there was places to relax on most yeah. of the venues that was like we're all in this dive bar together so like we actually got to know the tour package a lot better that day because it was only like it was like less than a week into the tour, I think. So everyone's like kind of feeling day. each other out. Like
2: third or fourth day. Or something like that. Yeah. No, it was
0: a little longer because I was in the hospital on like the third oh, day. It right. was like the sixth day or something. That's a whole Did nother story. Did you say story. you were I'm in the do, hospital? I ended up in the hospital. Jesus, what happened? Yeah, I had a whole eye thing. He's got a bad an eye. eye thing. Thing. I got a fucked up eye. It's just like... Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a reoccurring corneal tear kind of vibe. And on the first day of the, of the biggest tour of our lives, I was uh, almost hospitalized. And I played the show anyway. And then the second day... I was hospitalized <laughs> and I played the show anyway, but without a guitar because I couldn't see. Um, I wasn't supposed to play because I couldn't see again because the whole fucked up. <laughs> um, and I Christ. laid down in the green room and my band started playing without me because I told them I couldn't see uh and Which then another
2: thing when you meet ridiculous adversity you just, you just make the through. show yeah you make the show go on so
0: long and short of it is i i wasn't able to to see because my eyes fucked up and i can't play guitar without the obviously I'm not that good at it so i was like well i'm in the back green room i'm gonna have to play the. i'm gonna have to, to listen to the first crypto show i've ever listened to and i don't like that but i have to so they set up my gear anyway on the off chance to be able to do it wasn't able to do it they got through. They're going to play without me and only have Mike two vocals. And I decided about half a song in. Yeah, we got through half a constitution. Yeah, I heard. I was getting frustrated hearing the band play without me. So I got up. I, I my eye was ridiculously light sensitive. Like I could not be near a light. I put on sunglasses and a hoodie. And I put the hoodie as pulled down as far as I could. And I wore like Unibomber ass sunglasses. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of stumbled out. And I tapped Jeremy on the back. I was like, yo, is that microphone live in the middle? And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I didn't ask what I'm doing. Is the microphone live? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I think it's on. He like tapped it and it was on. So I just grabbed the microphone and I just did a blind set only on vocals. I
2: think, I think like we definitely probably have videos of that show. But like it was it's crazy. Yeah, it was wild because like that's like one of the only Cryptid Era shows where we have the only times uh, Scott – has played parts of a set even parts of a set uh without his guitar is when we've done converge covers in the past <laughs> when we were kids yeah. yeah when we were like way younger and so like the overall like it was just a weird general vibe but again it's like one of those things that like but the know,
0: best part was these guys didn't know about it uh mike and matt and really jeremy but i tapped on the back at least but so i kind of just like moseyed on stage looking like like, uh, my friend, our merch guy, Andy, described it as a cross between M Shadows and the Unabomber. And I just kind of, like, stumbled <laughs> up and they were like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, and that, and That's what happened. But, you know, it's just, like Matt said, it's a testament to just kind of doing what has to be done, you know?
2: You kind of look like the, the the uh, this is an old meme, but the fucker and the pussy guy.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. I Oh, dude, so I got a picture. You probably won't be able to see it, but I found one. Hang on. On my phone, where oh, you can see what I looked like. Hang on, you probably won't be. Like, oh, you can kind of see, yeah. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my vibe for the day.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to yeah, ask you next what, what yeah, your yeah, worst, yeah. worst show was. Oh, That's probably the answer. But uh, do you have another answer?
0: <laughs> that wasn't the worst oh, show. That was no, the worst I ever yet, felt, like, though. Yeah. That was the worst I ever personally felt during a show. But that was nowhere close to the worst show of the band. Like, oh, now, like, now I'm excited.
2: Worst show. I- I- I Dude. have probably already pushed it out of my memory.
0: It probably I got one. I, I'm not going to drop names, but I, I can definitely think of the worst show we ever played. So really quickly, this quick is getting long, but uh, 2013 DIY tour playing Pittsburgh for the first time. Uh, we were playing in what I can only describe as a garage in an industrial park. Um, there were zero people at the show at the moment. I was We had driven seven hours during the day from Michigan, seven or eight hours, something like that, and we barely slept because we stayed at a house the night before there was a house party. So just like nothing but like like loud music and liquor until like five o'clock in the morning. We had to get up at like seven or something like that. It was nice. fucking stupid. Just like this is I my mean like the DIY tour. Like before, there were sheet schedules and loading times. It was very like, dude, I don't know, show yeah, up this we were, garage at eight. We were
2: sharing the van with another band, too. And like, just, just a, just a yeah.
0: general feeling of defeat. Just and misery. Like everyone and like, was. Sh- I was sick, too. I, I had a really bad cold. Oh, I ever yeah, like, like. The, the huh.
2: general affect was simply just, holy shit. Misery. Why do we want to be <laughs> Fucking misery. <So laughs> what we, do we get out of this? So we, like,
0: after all, that's the stage, right? The set, of the stage, and we get to this venue, and there's legitimately fucking nobody there. Like, I mean, no point where there was a calendar at this venue and we weren't even on it. So even on the off chance that somebody like was at this fucking garage another day, they wouldn't even know to look to see that we were there. And uh, it turned into into glorified band practice, which is obviously something that happens to all bands, but. Um, but just the fact that we were sick and then there was like this band again, oh, we did that
2: with ghost key too.
0: But, yeah. That's not, our, yeah, we did, we did it plenty of times. Um, yeah, there's this opening band that was, had a bizarre vibe. Again, I don't want to name any names cause they're, I think they were nice. I don't really remember. This was a really long time ago. Um, but there was this really weird local opening band. They had like weird costumes and shit. <laughs> and then <laughs> we, uh, played the show. The promoter smelled really bad. But I, I mean like fucking, smell this guy fucking bad
2: and he was wearing a kilt. I wore a kilt and like had a curly mohawk. Okay. Okay. He, he, <laughs> to his credit, he did at least like
0: give us a door. Oh dude, of, uh, like I'll, I'll never forget it, dude. It was we were there was two bands uh that were getting paid and he paid the two bands together twenty three dollars. And we split it among the two bands. So we got 12... Oh, sorry, I can't do math. 11.50 11, 11 fi- each. Yeah, 11 nice. Um, and it was Rolling crazy. So then we went to our buddy's house after that. He lived in the area. He wasn't there. He gave us the keys to his apartment. And then we almost got him evicted the next morning because we were walking in a caravan of dudes with, like, luggage from his apartment. There was 10 of us because we had two bands. And his fucking, like, HOA manager or some shit came out. I was like, where are you coming from? And we're like, oh... I don't know. And they somehow figured out, like, where we came from. I guess, like, a neighbor out of or whatever. And they called him and were like, dude, you can't have all these people here. Like, that's a fire hazard. He's like, I'm not even there right now. They're just my friends. They were quiet. We didn't have a party. We did nothing. We were just totally quiet. But these people are pissed off that there was a lot Scott of us. Mike and Scott
2: almost fought each other over mac and cheese that <laughs> Me
0: night. and Mike almost – that was the worst fight we ever got into, and it was over mac and cheese. Yeah, like, not, even, not even just, like, <laughs> ever in the – in this band
2: ever in the history of our friends, <laughs> I've
0: been friends with Mike for like 17 yeah, yeah. years and that was the worst fight like we ever they, got in.
2: They almost fucking fist fought each other over mac and cheese. <laughs> it, it wasn't was over so mac and cheese. That me.
0: was the straw that broke the camel's back because of all, the pred- <laughs> all this history we, <laughs> we just were, went through. We were just in such a bad place. Just the worst <laughs> mood ever and like the next morning like we're driving down the highway and my friend calls me. He's like dude like they just my HOA just called me like they said they're all pissed off that you guys stayed there and like you know it's no big deal. He's the nicest fucking dude on the Planet. So he's just like, dude, it's no big deal. I just want to let like, you know, like, we I can't have you stay here anymore because like I might get evicted. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, all we did was sleep. Like, I swear. And he's like, no, it's cool. As I'm on the phone with him, I'm not making this up. As I'm on the phone with him, the dude next to us driving, I'm not driving, I'm just like right behind the driver. He's doing this, like the guy on the highway. He's like, pull your window down. And my buddy, like our buddy Jesse, like <laughs> opens the window and he's like, What's up? And he's screaming, we're going, like 60 miles an hour. Like, and he's like, What? He's like, your trailer door's open. And we were like, oh, fuck! shit!"
2: <laughs> we were driving down a highway with our trail we, we rented a U-Haul and we're touring it on, uh, uh, towing it on the back of a 15 passenger van. And the shit was wide open. Why the fuck and open. And thank Holy God shit. that we packed so tight okay nothing fell out
0: another lesson to pack your shit tight everything tight also make sure it's locked before you start driving yeah like (laughs)
2: that's always one of the last we were 20
0: years old and made quick mistakes but and so like this is all again this is all on the heels this traces back to the michigan house parties where the misery started so like the michigan (laughs) house party horrible show promoter that smells like a dumpster 23 dollar payout me and Mike get into a fight. Our friend almost gets evicted. And then our trailer doors open on the highway in Pittsburgh. All within like 26 hours, probably. Yeah, <laughs> like,
2: like not, e- not even a day and a half. That's crazy, dude. Holy but shit. that's what you got to do. That one sticks. Yes, yeah. you got to do that shit. If Until you, you have a story like that, you're not a band.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. That's man. Uh, so, uh, anyway, um, I think we'll start wrapping this up a little bit, uh, going a little long. Uh, be sure to check out Angel of yeah. History, the sophomore album from uh, CryptoDira, which drops uh, December 4th through Good Fight. Uh, so I guess the best place to order yes. would be Good Fight Music and uh, Death uh, Deathwish, EU. Yeah, the best so places? if you're in
0: the States... Yeah, if you're in the States, definitely goodfightmusic.com, uh, and yeah, overseas, I believe, deathwishinc.eu, we do deathwishing.com, so whatever that translates to out in Europe, I think it's .eu, that's where you'll get the CD and vinyl and stuff, and uh, yeah, the, the US is all the cool, like, pre order packages and merch and stuff, like, hopefully if you make us a bigger band, we can get really cool merch over in Europe, but for now, all the cool merch is over in the States, unless Come you want to pay Europe, crazy shipping, which I don't, I, you know. Yeah, we're trying to get bigger. So, actually, if you can fucking fix that, that would be good.
2: Come on, you goddamn Germans. We know you like merch. So, so well, you Germans. guys
1: got CDs, two vinyl variants, uh, a couple, some shirts, yeah. and uh, wall flags. You also have a sale on your merch right now, right? On your old merch at com. Is that
0: still going on? Sure, dude. Hell yeah. I guess. Do we? <laughs> well, I saw a it's thing. I know that much. Yeah, oh, is it .net? Um, okay. Yeah, there's there might be a sale running on that shit. Okay. Cryptoer.net. So that's that's like the merch that we have, like the leftover merch from tours and that shit's really cheap right now. Yeah. So like cryptoer.net uh is where you can find all our merch and then crypt- GoodFightMusic.com is where you find all the new pre-order merch. That's the really, really fucking cool shit. Um there's like build bundle or something, which I like a lot. You yeah, you're not trapped into buying a bundle of full of shit you don't want. The more shit you get, the more discount you get, something like that. So kind of actually build your own thing with the with the vinyl variants and, and sweatshirts and all that stuff. So
1: that's dope. Uh you guys are also on Spotify, I assume all the other streaming sites, uh also on like Bandcamp,
0: Spotify, Facebook, Apple, Instagram. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. If there's a place to listen to music, we're probably on. It. Yeah. And if, if we're you, not, then tell me, and I'll get us on.
2: If you want to listen to us and not pay us, you have options.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you want to make sure we get as little... No, I'm kidding. Definitely definitely stream the Please, show.
2: For the love of God, stream us. It's all That's that's our lifeblood right now.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. We don't make any money on it, but for some reason, it's still our lifeblood.
2: It is our lifeblood, and we are anemic at the same time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you guys are also on Facebook,
1: Instagram, Twitter, uh, and on Twitch. Uh, you yes. guys are everywhere. Uh, just look yes. up your name.
0: So we are uh, twitch.tv slash uh, cryptodeeraband, Band on Twitter, Cryptodira Band on Instagram, and just regular old-ass cryptodeeraband on Is Facebook. somebody else cryptodeera
1: on these other sites? Uh, how's that? How's Can that? you
0: fucking believe it? There's another cryptodeera on Twitch. It's like, and it's like, for some reason, their photo is Donkey Kong, and it pisses me off. Oh, I was going like, to ask the if they're, argue, like, man? streaming like,
1: turtles the whole time, or...
0: Dude, I have no idea, but I'm about to hit him up and offer them like eighty bucks for that name. The Cryptidera
2: <laughs> tag on a couple things actually does get taken up by Turtles. Yeah. We oh, finally shit. started to overtake yeah, on if you if you Google search cryptid era, I feel we're like we're starting now, to win now. Yeah, we we the, the algorithms have been tipped in our favor
0: as opposed to <laughs> That's how I know we'll make it. If like if someone searches cryptid era on Google and it's only us, that's how we fucking yeah, make it. Uh, yeah. But
2: like if you like, you know, search like just cryptid era on uh like like Twitter, it's mostly our shit or people talking about us but like there is like for whatever reason specifically like japanese accounts yeah they love and, to talk about to, turtles about man specifically cryptidira <laughs> of all turtles it's so,
0: i follow the cryptidira tag on instagram and i'd say it's like 75 percent us and like 25 percent just actual tortoises it's fucking <laughs> sick so it's a cool tag to follow definitely follow hashtag crypto Deer on instagram because yeah, even got, if it's not you us you'll fuck with it yeah yeah, yeah. you'll, you'll anything, like the turtles it's
2: just fucking turtles and if you don't like turtles you
0: might fuck be, you yeah you might honestly be don't listen to my band if you like turtles you don't like turtles that's it <laughs> don't fucking listen to us uh fuck you
1: is there anything else you guys would like to say
0: uh fuck you no i'm kidding
2: <laughs> Free Palestine.
0: Uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, listen to our band. (laughs) Angel (laughs) history's coming out. I don't know. Fuck Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. You know, whatever. Normal shit. uh... Listen to our band.
1: Uh, as for me, drop my channel, follow, so you always know when I go live, uh, find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, YouTube folks, if you like this, please drop a like, subscribe, tickle the notification bell, uh, check out my music, the sound that ends creation, my fifth album, memes, Strings, and flying machines is out now, uh, and my next guest is plastic bag face mask, uh, join us next Sunday, 7 p.m. central for a live interview, twitch.tv slash the cast at ends creation, uh, thanks for being here guys, hope you guys have fun.
0: Thanks, dog. Had a great time. Thanks for having us, man. And
1: thank you for watching and listening.